Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and this is Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. We're concluding our series, Celebration of Marriage, today with a message that comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 32. So let's join Dr. Newfeld with a message entitled, Celebration of Intimacy. No one is a good lover. That is, fallen human beings... No one is a good lover among us. Now that I have your attention, let me give you the good news. If you listen to the Lord Jesus Christ and become obedient to him, he'll teach you to be a great lover. That's good news for husbands and wives. See, what our society thinks are the best lovers, well, they're in fact the worst of lovers. James Bond is a horrible lover because he simply loves them and leaves them. See, some men believe that being a true man involves exploits with women. See, I don't know too many women who want to be exploited. Other men believe that being a good lover has something to do with your good looks or with some fancy technique that you've learned from who knows where. Listen, men, none of those things make you a good lover. Romantic love requires two things. It requires marriage and it requires a lifetime. Let me read Ephesians 5, 25 to 32. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respect her husband. Now, this text has been read and spoken of in countless marriage ceremonies and also been spoken of in many sermons. And this text is really not that difficult to understand. First, to men, God has called you to give leadership in love to your wife. That's a tall order. Let me tell you about my father. When I talk about my dad, I don't want to portray him as perfect, but he certainly wasn't that. But I knew my dad was a lover. You know, if I ever wanted to know how to treat a woman, I just had to look at the way that my dad treated my mom. You know, as kids, we always knew that my dad was openly affectionate toward mom. He complimented her. He held hands with her. He hugged and kissed her often. There was no one he'd rather be with than with my mom. He defended her, especially from us kids. If we ever criticized mom, dad would come after us. I mean, after all, no one took advantage of his lover. You know, one of the greatest lessons I learned from them was the way they worked out their differences. Dad never threatened to leave mom. Dad never yelled at mom. Dad was always gentle and tender towards my mom. I don't remember him raising his voice in an argument. It just never happened in our home. My mom and dad held hands well into their later years. You know, sadly enough, many men don't have what I have. With the growth of single-parent families, many men simply will never see a daily example of true romantic love in their home. On top of that, many marriages are simply not what they should be. You know, some men abuse their wives. Some men neglect their wives. Some men ridicule their wives and hold them in low esteem. Many men do not love their wives. 
The story is told of a wife and a husband, and they were lying together in their bed when a tornado touched down on the roof of their house. It sucked the roof off, and they were instantly launched into the air. They clung to each other, and the wife started to cry. The husband said, Honey, don't cry. And the wife said, I can't stop crying. I'm so happy. This is the first time we've been out together in 20 years. You know, that's sad. Men, how can we learn to love our wives? What happens if you've not had a good role model? Can you still learn how to love? See, the good news is that you do have a good role model, and his name is Jesus. If you want to be a good lover, learn to do that by imitating him. Watch his love for his people and be to your wife as he is to his church. Treat her as Christ treats the church. You know, that image is really not a strange one at all. In the Bible, the image of marriage is frequently an image for God's love for his people. The book of Hosea tells the story of a woman named Gomer. God tells Hosea to go and marry her. She's been a prostitute, but he is to love her. But there's a problem. She's constantly involved in illicit love affairs. Her children may have been the product of her illicit sexual liaisons. In love, Hosea keeps paying her bills and taking care of her needs, even though she's already left him for other men. Finally, her fortunes turn against her, and she's sold on an open slave market. And God instructs Hosea to go and buy her back and show love to her again. That, says God, is how I love you. God loves us in the same way a faithful man would love an unfaithful woman. In Mark 2, Jesus referred to himself as the bridegroom and his disciples as the bride. Revelation 19 tells about our welcome reception in heaven. It says, and I'm reading Revelation 19, verse 7, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. So you see, the image of marriage is an image that God often presents when displaying his love relationship with his people. Now, Paul uses the same image to teach men how to love their wives. He simply tells us that if we need a mentor, if we need help, Jesus will teach us. There are in this passage four features that if you do them, you'll be quite simply a great lover. See, these four principles, I promise, will revitalize and revolutionize your marriage. Here's the first. True love involves a spirit of sacrifice. That's what Paul taught in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. See, that's clearly a reference to the cross. Now, it is important to see just how Jesus loved us on the cross. Listen to how Paul describes that in Philippians 2, 5 to 8. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Let me give you three characteristics of sacrificial love from this passage. First of all, love is humble, or love requires humility. Christ's love led him from the glorious throne room of heaven to the harsh and barren cross of Calvary. There's nothing glamorous about that. The cross is humility. Second, love is obedient to God. That is, Jesus denied himself so much so that he sweat great drops of blood to get himself to submit and obey his Father. That's sacrificial obedience. And thirdly, love requires personal sacrifice. Let me make that practical. Most of the images of love that are portrayed in our society are what we might call object-oriented love. 
That is, we love because a person is attractive, has a great personality, is fun-loving, money, education, power, prestige. I mean, you name it. It is object-oriented love because the object of our love is worthy of our love. God's love is not of that sort. Jesus loves us, not because he sees us as worthy objects of his love, but because love is in his nature. See, that kind of love requires humility, obedience, and sacrifice. I want you to imagine a 30-year-old young man. He's been married for five years to an attractive, capable, vibrant, career-oriented young woman. Everyone says, wow, he landed her. And then comes the news. She has breast cancer. She requires surgery. Then comes the second piece of bad news. The cancer has metastasized. She requires more surgery and chemotherapy. Her hair disappears. Her her breasts are gone. Her gums bleed. Her face becomes gaunt. Her beauty is now gone along with her vibrancy. Her career is over. The light that once danced in her eyes now reflect pain and sorrow. See, I'm sorry to tell you that I know of men who have walked away from sick women. I have also known of men who have stayed and served and cared and prayed for and made meals for their sick women. What was the difference? The difference was that at some point in time, they went from object-oriented love to Christ's sacrificial love. And if you're going to be a lover, that's what you must do now. If you can't do that for the woman you stood with at the altar, don't tell me that you'll do it for a nicer object of your love. Men, God wants us, just like Jesus, to give ourselves up for our wives. We must deny ourselves of something for the sake of our wives. Maybe you'll deny yourself of an automobile of your dreams and give your wife a chance to get back to school. Maybe you'll simply take care of the kids for a weekend and allow your wife to go on a retreat, even though you had to forego a hockey weekend with your buddies. And the only reason you did that is for but one reason. You did it for her, for her welfare, and you did it out of love. True love invites a spirit of sacrifice. The Celebration Caribbean Cruise is scheduled for February 2018. Join Dr. John Newfeld, Phil Calloway, great musical guests, and the entire Back to the Bible team on board the Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas for a seven-day journey to some of the most beautiful and exotic islands and locations. Enjoy everything the cruise line has to offer, along with inspirational Bible teaching, worship, fellowship, encouragement, and laughter. This is a vacation event for the entire family that you won't want to miss. So make plans today and call us at 1-800-663-2425. That's 1-800-663-2425. Or visit backtothebible.ca for all the cruise details. Now space is limited, so don't be disappointed and book now. And just as an added reminder, all ministry vacation events are paid for by the participants and no ministry resources are used for this purpose. When Paul told husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church, well, I'm reading verses 26 to 27. He says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. If you read these verses carefully, 
they'll tell you the purpose of Christ's sacrificial love. Christ was always interested in the end product. He had in mind a church without spot or wrinkle. A great many commentators have pointed out the double meaning here. On the one hand is the bride getting ready on wedding day. She takes a bath and then dresses in her beautiful gown. No spot, no stain, no wrinkle in her dress. She would never show up with a big coffee stain on her front of her wedding dress. She'd never show up in curlers, wearing a house coat, big bunny slippers. She will show up on that day in a way that she has never been seen before. Everything will be just right. But the real meaning here is Christ and his bride, the church. This bride cannot make herself beautiful. She's stained with sin. She has no beauty of herself. And so Christ sets out to make her beauty for her wedding day. He washes her. She must be made pure from sin. And his death on the cross was for her forgiveness. He bathes her with his word, for his word is holy. He wants her without blemish. So according to Ephesians 1.3, he blesses her in the spiritual realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. All his sacrifice was for a purpose. Jesus envisions a day when we will be married to him at the great wedding supper of the Lamb. We will be beautiful. See, the application is easy. Husbands are to be concerned with the spiritual well-being of their wives. Husbands, let me ask you, do you pray for your wife? We should be praying for her every day. We ought to provide her with every opportunity to grow in Christ. When we're engaged, it was our call to make sure she remains sexually pure. When we're married, it's our call to continue to nurture her life in the Spirit. You see, men, you owe it to your wives to keep in step with the Spirit. If God has called you to take leadership in your home, it is surely a call to nurture your spiritual development as a model for your wife. Love involves the spirit of sacrifice. And second, love looks for the best possible outcome for one's wife. And now third, love involves care and value. In verse 28 to 30, Paul charged husbands to love their wives as their own body. And I know we live in a day when we're more body conscious than ever before. The fashion and movie industry have made us all conscious that we might have too many pounds around our midsection, that our legs might be too short, our noses too long, our foreheads too broad. It's been shown that the more a culture is exposed to television and the media, the more they become body conscious. A lot of this simply feeds human vanity and pride. But there is a good way to be body conscious. I'm now talking about proper care for our bodies, which includes healthy eating, proper night's rest, reasonable exercise, and the like. If the truth were told, we all take care of our bodies, some less and some more. Very few people allow themselves to starve to death. In fact, at a deep fundamental level, we all cherish our bodies. We value and prize our bodies highly. We watch when crossing the street. We don't want our bodies to be damaged. When there's a flu going around, we say, huh, I hope I don't catch that because we're all concerned that our bodies are not invaded with disease. If we notice a growth on our body that ought not to be there, we treat it with alarm. We all value our bodies. And that's how husbands should be concerned for their wives. If you're a married man, let me give you a little exercise. Answer the following questions. Number one, what's your wife's favorite leisure activities? Number two, What's your wife's favorite food? Number three, what does your wife love to read? Number four, what is your wife's biggest concern? See, the things that are precious to her, well, they ought to be precious to you. That's what it means to love her as yourself. 
It's love. It's the spirit of sacrifice. It looks for the outcome of purity. It values and it cares. Now, lest this message is for men only, let me turn to women. I'm reading verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Did you notice that? Husbands are told to love their wives and wives are told to respect their husband. Now, that's not because wives are not to love their husbands. No, there's something else at stake here. Wives, your husbands function very differently than you do. Red Green, a Canadian comedian, said, Women have hundreds of emotions and then thousands of shades of emotions. Men, well, we have only three emotions. We like it, we don't like it, or we're bored. And I think that's overstated, but wives, listen now to what I have to say. The sexiest thing that you've ever said to your husband is not that you're wearing a wonderful negligee or that you long for him or that you even love him the sexiest words that will ever come from your mouth to your husband's ears are that you respect him. Tell him, when you did such and such, I was so proud of you then. In fact, the greatest honor of my life is to be married to you. Of all the men in this world, I respect you. No man that I know of is indifferent to those words. He'll walk over hot coals all day long just to hear those words from your mouth once. If he believes you hold him in honor, he'll die for you. But if you criticize him constantly and point out his failings, you are more cruel to him than you can ever imagine. He knows he can't ask you to respect him. But if you respect him and show him that you do, you build a foundation for love. Women feed on love. and Men feed on respect. Wives watch men when they're together. I mean, they don't tell each other, I love the way you've done your hair, or is that a new aftershave you're wearing today, or where did you get that sweater? I mean, it matches your skin color perfectly. So what do they say when men want to compliment each other? When they're playing or working or just hanging out, one of them will say, hey, Ralph, that work on the Murphy contract, wow, you nailed that thing. I mean, I hope you heard that. One says, I respect what you did, and I noticed that. See, men are results-focused, and when they're respected, they're valued. I can't tell you how many wives have broken their husband's spirit by never saying what their husbands wanted to hear more than anything else. The wife says Paul must see that she respects her husband. Well, marriage, verse 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Those words come from the beginning of Genesis, but they also come from the mouth of the Lord Jesus. Jesus taught that this new unit is an unbreakable bond. I'm going to tell you the true story of a man named Peter and his wife Mary. I mean, it's not their real names, but I kind of even think that they wouldn't even mind if I used their real names. Peter was a pastor, and years ago I was invited to speak in Peter's pulpit. And just before the service began, I was taken aside and told that Peter would be resigning just before my sermon. Mary had just left Peter for another man, and I was shocked that I assumed that the church would be as well. You know, it turned out that Peter had prepared a document from which he read from the pulpit on that day. He told his church that it was indeed true that his wife had left him for another man. Given those conditions, he explained that he was no longer fit to lead that church. He was resigning effective immediately but he had one final request of the congregation that he had led. It was a request that they not gossip about Mary. 
He begged them that day to pray for both him and her, but not to talk of her harshly. He encouraged them to always treat Mary with respect and with love. You know, I was stunned by what I heard that day. No anger, no harsh words, only words of love and concern. I was later to hear what happened next. Mary had gone over to their home to pick up her things and then to leave. And while she was in the house, Peter vacuumed the inside and washed the outside of her car. Mary was to explain later that that act of kindness literally broke her heart. Several years ago, Kathy and I were on a hike together, and we ran into Peter and Mary. They were walking arm in arm and obviously enjoying each other's company. I was overwhelmed, and as we stood there on that hiking trail, both Peter and Mary told Kathy and I the story of how God had healed their marriage and restored their love. They talked freely of their past, but they talked enthusiastically of Christ's power to restore. They have a loving marriage to this day. See, how is such a thing possible? It is possible if one says, I choose to imitate Christ. Help me, Holy Spirit, to be as Christ is to his church. Will you do the same? Heavenly Father, I pray for those who are listening who are married. I pray, Heavenly Father, that what happens between them would truly reflect what happened between Christ and his church. In Jesus' name, amen. John, I had high expectations with this series that I'd be taught something. But I don't know if I thought I was going to come away so encouraged about marriage. We really do need to bring marriage back on that pedestal, don't we? Oh, it's so true. I mean, our culture has been beating on marriage and devaluing marriage and making marriage less than something that should be emulated or looked to or desired in our own lives. In fact, so many movies basically uh, talk about the marriage partner as someone who's undesirable, you know, and it's always the, you know, the person who's on the side that's the person you want to desire. So I think what we need to do in the church is to talk up marriage. We need to celebrate it. And even when it's not perfect, we need to say, and even so, God is teaching me how to love him and to live according to his purposes in this marriage. So let's value marriage in the church of Jesus Christ. And you know, so many folks that maybe are listening today are struggling in hurt relationships, uh, but God can redeem those relationships, can't he? Yeah. You know, I don't think that we need to say, you know, unless my marriage is perfect, I can't serve the Lord uh, because nothing in my life is perfect. And yet God has condescended to allow me to serve him. So you know what? You can learn to be faithful and God will teach you, but you can continue to serve him. Amen. Thanks so much, John, for this series. Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. At Back to the Bible Canada, we believe we share a special relationship with our friends and listeners across the country, a relationship characterized by a common purpose. This partnership impacts the lives of real people journeying through life's challenges, disappointments, and struggles. So when we partner in prayer or offer a financial gift, we make a tangible impact. So may I ask you to consider a special financial gift this month? Would you help us share critical biblical insight on living out God-honoring marriages and relationships? Your gift not only supports the airing of our Bible teaching programs, but allows us to make resources like Celebration of Marriage available free on CD for anyone who asks. 
Help us impact, sustain, and restore relationships, marriages, and otherwise. Ask for your free copy of Celebration of Marriage for yourself or to share with someone who might be encouraged. Call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit online at backtothebible.ca.